Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Church is where hope is. It's not a building. It's people. It's us. We looked also at no hope, false hope, and true living hope. I encourage you to go listen to the uh, podcast on that. It's clear that in the times that we're living in right here, right now, not only in California, but in us as a nation and even as a globe, if there's anything people need right now, we need hope. For some people, the need for hope, maybe it stems from being weary, and then maybe for some other people, their need for hope stems from a a sense of brokenness. Now, brokenness can really come from basically two distinct types of brokenness. Now, I'm sure you can break that into more, but let's just look at two distinct kinds of brokenness. One where somebody or something or, some, or a bunch of people did something to me, and I'm broken for the betrayal, the abandonment, the abuse, the misuse, taken advantage of. We feel that brokenness. Then there's another kind of brokenness that we're going to really emphasize today. And that is the kind of brokenness where I know I did something wrong to somebody else. I know I've sinned against God and God alone, against his word. And I feel that brokenness. And there really isn't no justifiable excuse in the matter. I sinned. And I feel that brokenness inside of me. We're going to focus on that today. A brokenness from remorse is what I've done. How about you? Do you know that you sinned? One of the worst things that I hate in a church, and, I, and I'm using the word correctly. I know it's a four-letter word, eight, hate. But I'm going to be honest with you. Have you ever seen people come in and they have this righteous, self-righteous thing about them? That they're all better than everybody else? I've been going in this church for the, since, you know, George Washington. <laughs> We've got ten generations in this church. I've actually been to a church where they have the family names on the pews. We bought our pew. I really like to take them out back and just give them the fivefold ministry, if you know what I mean. I can't stand that arrogance. Because my name is Marvin Telemontis, and I am a sinner saved by grace. May I never forget that. And the same with you. He's the king. He's royalty. Because of him, I'm one of the royal kids because of his blood, not mine. May we never forget that. You know, our lives are fragile. The choices we make, they really matter. And our decisions have consequences, good and bad. 
We've all had times when we have chosen poorly. We've all made mistakes and, well, fallen into sin. And when this happens, it often feels like something on the inside of us has broken. Now, I love my coffee mug in the morning. It's special. But there's something about this coffee mug that I'm also well aware of. It's fragile. And if I am not paying attention, it could easily break. It could easily... what the Ziploc bag was for. <laughs> you know, depending on a person's heart, they'll either say, I'm truly sorry for my poor choices. And I'm, I'm broken. Or they're going to say, you know, I'm truly sorry I got caught. I wish you would have never seen that. So let's focus on the one who is truly sorry and broken over their sin for what they did wrong against God. And against people, and many times against people they loved and cared for. Maybe this is you. You see, because of our regrettable choices we've made, that maybe that precious relationship is starting to fall apart. Maybe that job of yours, because of that regrettable choice, they're letting you go. Maybe your finances are suffering because of the poor choices you've made. Maybe all of a sudden your marriage is strained. Maybe your reputation is really tarnished. And your future is at risk. There's just so much uncertainty because of the poor choices I made. You're broken in your brokenness, in my pain, in my poor choices, it so impacts other people. It's unbelievable how it impacts other people. Sometimes people you didn't even know were watching. And sometimes in our brokenness, and all of a sudden we're exposed, we begin to feel abandoned by God. We begin to feel as though all those around us are judging us. It's in these times that we instinctively long for some kind of hope, some kind of help, maybe a do-over. See, being exposed causes us to feel shame. It causes us to feel guilt. It causes us to feel humiliated. But this doesn't have to be the end of the story. Because when Jesus, 
When we begin to meet Jesus in the middle of our brokenness because we feel horrible about it, there's true remorse. It means that there's actually hope here right now. The good news is God knows how to put all the pieces back together again. Now, I broke this other one. But as you look at it, it's all put back together again. But if you were to look real close, you could see those scars from all the different pieces. They're there. There's actually a little chip out of it right there. And you know something? God's not going to necessarily remove all the scars of your past. I didn't like that at first. Until God says, don't you know how precious scars are? Because these scars from those poor choices you made are the exact same scars that you'll be able to use to tell your story to somebody else about how Jesus put you back together again. How you used to be like this and then this boom happened like this. And then God says, watch how I can put you back together like this. See, there's hope. Hope's here. Just because you sin doesn't mean it's all over. There's this thing called salvation and transformation. God knows how to use your story with all its brokenness. He'll use that story to be a blessing to other people. You know, part of my story, I had no reason, I hadn't had any, I didn't make it to be broken. I was conceived. I'm told two stories. One story says I was conceived out of an adulterous affair of a one-night stand. The other part of the story tells me I was conceived out of a one-night event, but that was done out of a rape. I don't know which one's right. This is my story. And I've never wanted people to know that. I wanted that to be my private secret. But you know, my beginning doesn't dictate my end. They had no idea. They were just part of what God wanted to do in me and through me. So there might be a little chip in it. Might be a little crack in it. But God can still use it. And he can use you. And he can use your story. God offers us a fresh start. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We say, will you read it out loud with me? Ready, begin. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. As I shared earlier, the story of the woman in the scriptures who knew, ex- 
who knew exactly what it felt like to be broken and in need of restoration because of the regrettable choices that she had made. It takes place in the book of John uh, chapter 8 as Jesus is, here he is, Jesus is literally at the temple and he is sitting down. Now, to most of us, we don't know what that means. It's like, no big deal. Yeah, he was just sitting down when he was teaching. No, 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 no. When a judge walks in and, he sa- and the bailiff says what? All rise, the honorable Smith is here. Everybody rises up and then he what? Or she does what? Sits down. It means everything now is official. It's on record. And it is final authority because the judge is there. The final authority is in the seat. When Jesus came in to sit down in, Ma- in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and he sat and he taught before the officials, Scripture says, and Matthew says, and Jesus sat down. What does that mean? He was speaking as the voice of authority. And then here we find in John's gospel that Jesus comes to the temple and he sits down. He's speaking as the voice of authority. And they would recognize that when a rabbi, a teacher of the law, a teacher of the Scriptures was to sit down and then teach, they were speaking from authority. And so while he's speaking in authority, this is what happens next. The, um, the most unbelievable interruption. Can you interrupt a judge? This is where the story is taking place. Let's look at John chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. Verse 3. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law, as he was speaking. And the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Some scholars believe they brought her naked. We don't know this for sure. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, Jesus said, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Actually, the scripture says to put her to death, but that's fine. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus, <laughs> he stoops down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So let's just see what the law of Moses actually says about this particular sin. So go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22. It says, if a man is discovered committing adultery, just the woman must die. Hello, ladies, what's it say? Both he and the woman must die. In this way, you will purge Israel of evil, of such evil. Leviticus 20.10, read it with me, ready, begin. If a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. So clearly, they're not following the law because they showed up with just the girl. Where's the boy? What's going on here? See, the natural question is, where's the guy? So once again, we have a story that involves the scribes and the Pharisees who are attempting to trick Jesus into saying something they could hold against him. They brought to Jesus a woman caught in adultery. 
They reminded him that the Mosaic law demanded her to be stoned to death. And then they go, but what say you, Jesus? Come on, I mean, this is what Moses, the guy of the Ten Commandments, the part in the Red Sea. Come on, what say you, big teacher? By the way, if, if he says stone her, then he's in trouble with the Romans because they have not given them permission to do executions. They have to do it. But if he says no, then he's in violation of the law and of Moses. Ooh, the tension. Ooh, you don't know Jesus. What's most shocking about this story is that the woman seems to have just been a pawn by the religious leaders. A plan to, to just get rid of Jesus by throwing her out like a piece of meat. She was caught in the middle. And her sin was exposed. Our sin being laid bare can be one of the worst and yet best feelings as well. On one hand, it's a horrible thing because our secret is exposed. On the other hand, it's an incredible significant relief because our sin is exposed and I don't have to hide it anymore. So here she was in her sin and now I'm thrown at the feet before Jesus she had to have lost hope at this moment her fate was clear she was going to die by the stones of the people but then Jesus intervenes they were trying to trap him, verse 6 of chapter 8. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So, Jesus, what do you say? Jesus, what do you say? Hey, what do you say? Kept bugging him. Finally, he responds. All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. What? They didn't anticipate that. He says, all right. <clears throat> hey, you without sin, throw it. You be the first one. Throw it. <laughs> Didn't expect that to come. And then he stooped down again and rode in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. See, the Jewish leaders had already disregarded arresting both man and woman and they got caught was jesus writing out the scriptures deuteronomy 22 22 was he writing them all out in full verse 
for them to see that they didn't bring the man? Or was he writing out all these names of all these girls, these mistresses that they had all been sleeping with as well? I mean, we don't know what he was writing, but whatever he was writing, it clearly impacted what they were thinking. And then he says, well, you, without sin, throw the first stone. And so starting with the oldest, they dropped their rocks. And that didn't even break. One by one, they dropped their rocks and left. He didn't ask them to leave. But the power and the impact of the hypocrisy that was on their heart was so clear and so evident, their darkness could not stand in front of his light. They dropped the rock and they turned and left. <sighs> Folks, what hypocrisy is in my life or in your life? You see, sin doesn't happen in a vacuum. I don't just sin and it just affects me. Your sin, their sin, my sin, it happens in a world that impacts other people. We have to be careful. You know, there's that skin, sin of the little, well, just so you can pray with me, let me tell you, I'm telling you, gossip is ruthless. I'd rather be cut by a knife. We receive hope in the midst of our own brokenness when we acknowledge that we have all fallen short and have all sinned before God. The beauty of the fellowship of the church is that we're able to extend forgiveness and grace to one another because we've all been broken. We're broken people. If you're not a broken person, you can leave because only... Only non-perfect people are allowed. It's written in invisible ink on the double doors. No perfect people allowed. Because our perfect God will do the rest. So these men, one by one, they drop their stones and they go home. And, and I love the detail we're given here. From the older to the youngest. Their wisdom caused them to understand their hypocrisy. Eventually, the younger and perhaps more stubborn men followed because they probably didn't know what to do next. I mean, as the dust settles, it's just Jesus and the woman. Wow. Let's go to verse 10, same chapter 8. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. Did you see how she responds to, her, to him? 
She doesn't call him Jesus. She doesn't say, no, dude. She says, no, Lord. She shows respect to who he is, to his authority. No, Lord, she said. And Je Jesus said, catch this. Neither do I. He could not say that unless he was sinless. You without sin throw the first stone. And Jesus had no sin and says, and neither do I. I have the right to throw the stone and neither do I. Well, then what does he say to her? Go and sin no more. He didn't, he didn't look the other way as though if it didn't happen. He says, hey, I'll go live a great life. Don't do this anymore. Don't do this anymore. Look what it's done to you today. So don't do this anymore. Go and sin no more. I can imagine, imagine Jesus looking at this woman with, with just such compassion and mercy and love. It, almost I can see, it's just my interpretation of it, but you can see his eyes with tears glass over because of this incredible mercy and grace knowing that she was a pawn, that her sin was literally not being used not only against her, but it was being used against him. And because of him, they did this to her. The first words ever spoken over us are words of love. The truest thing about you is that you are loved by God. God does not determine your value based on how well you perform. Did you know that? Your goody goody two shoes is not enough to make Jesus love you. Coming to church every single week, and you should, Pastor says so, doesn't give you extra points. He loves you whether you were in sin or not. The Bible says in Romans that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. How many say amen to that? Amen. See, your hope is found in God who loves you just the way you are but loves you so, so much, too much to leave you the way you actually are now. I have good news for you today. If you find yourself broken because of something you said, because of something you've done or have been doing, if you feel like you're surrounded by people who only want to throw stones at you, Jesus meets you right here in this place. And hope is here. Forgiveness is here. Freedom from the slavery to sin is here. You have a choice to make. And it will determine the future that you will live into going forward. You can choose to make no changes and just nod your head and say, that was a good sermon, Pastor. Well, what are you going to do about it? Uh, no, seriously, that was a really good sermon, Pastor. 
So you're going to do anything about it? Man, I really, really enjoyed that sermon. Hey, what was that one verse, by the way? Not hard to figure out. Somebody's not changing. But they like the words. If you're not changing, I don't care how good the sermon is, it's meaningless. You can choose to change, and the trajectory of your life will go from this to this. But you have to be willing to change. When we confess our sins and believe in Christ, then we're found in Christ. Paul writes about this when, when he's writing to the church in Corinth. Let's look again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That means it impacts who I hang out with. It means it impacts the music I listen to. It impacts the videos I watch. It impacts what I think and what I do and where I surf on the internet. It impacts everything. It impacts my Sunday mornings. It impacts my fellowship. It impacts that I open up my day with the Word of God. It impacts me. We're made new. The old ways of living become things of the past, and God, God does something new in us. The church is nothing more than a gathering point for a whole bunch of broken people because of our sin, that we're made new in Christ, and that's the hope of glory. I don't know if you are broken inside because maybe there's Something that you said, something that you did that's it's it's recent. Or maybe there's this thing in your life that you've kind of pushed it away because it's so far back in your past. But the enemy of your soul, he's right there wanting to throw the rocks upon you to make you suffer. Because you have some sin in your past. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. Do you need to stand before the king? And he'll look at you and say, where are your accusers? Which you have to say, Jesus, forgive me. If that's you, would you raise your hand or do you look up at me? And, and I just want to pray with you right where you're at. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless. Yes, yes. Instead of fire down in my soul. Let's sing that this. I can't contain, that, that I can't can control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. 
let me share this. Do you want more of him? So, Father, Lord, with all those who raised their hands, who looked up at me, that's our prayer today. We want more of you. We want to be set free from the enemy of our souls who condemns us, shames us, humiliates us. We feel literally a ball and chain tied to our ankle and that we're not allowed to experience life in its full because we have the sin in our life. Oh, we've lied to ourselves at times and said that we were justified or we had an excuse or, or we really didn't mean it like that. They just misunderstood it. But in our heart of hearts, we know we did wrong. And we're not right with you. So everybody pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Be the leader of my life. Set me free from this bondage in my soul. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for what you did on the cross. For dying for me. For my sin. Set me free. I want more of you. I love you, Jesus. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me a Christian. In your holy name I pray. Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for your people. Lord, hope is here. And Lord, although we've been broken from the things we've done wrong and the sin and the burden of it and the brokenness of it, but Lord, may we be reminded how you can put it all back together and you can actually use the scars. You can actually use the story, our story, to help somebody else who's been exactly where we've been. And they could be set free by the same Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bless your people, Lord. Bless them for bowing their hearts to you, for confessing. And then just as you said, Jesus, go and sin no more. Oh, Father, we pray. I pray your will. I pray your way. I pray your timing. I pray your favor. And I pray your hope be upon your people. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.